Moby.co, this is the Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast about the stock market, the economy, and the various market forces powering the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr, bringing you this time, you know, kind of the return of value. We're seeing companies like Tesla and Netflix not do so well in earnings after a brilliant week. To help me get through that, as always, I'm joined by Justin Kramer, our CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst here at Moby.co. Justin, man, what's good, dude? Where are you recording from today, man? I'm just out here in New York right now. Uh meeting with uh, investors, people in the marketplace, getting a better sense of what's going on and just overall getting a a pretty good gauge on the markets right now. A lot to discuss today, a lot to review. Um, It is summer, so things technically are quieter uh, on the surface, but underneath the scenes, there's a lot of moving pieces that's really going to dictate what happens in the markets, you know, over the next several months, if not years. Exactly. And I think that's one thing we're beginning to see, too. One thing that's kind of making our lives on this end a little bit more difficult is that, at least on the back end, a lot of the private market stuff, like people are really starting to shake the cobwebs off, so to speak. So you're getting dragged into more sort of like private investor meetings. And it's not impacting anything we're doing here. It's just an interesting foible being added to the market that we've been watching for a long time. But let, let's, uh, let's you know, begin sort of understanding where we are. I think one thing our audience likes from us is to get a little bit more future fo- focused first, and then we can kind of look backwards. So I guess the main question our audience is trying to answer right now, especially the audience listening to this recording, which is going to be more of a Monday morning release, we're all curious about the Fed meeting this week. On Wednesday, the Fed's going to be meeting again, and we're seeing all sorts of bets all all across the market basically saying the Fed's going to keep pausing or not raise. Gold prices have shot up as commodities traders are kind of just betting it all, essentially, on the Fed not raising rates again. But when you look at this, Justin, when you look at the language coming out of the Fed, what, what is your view here? Is the Fed going to keep pausing this month, or are we going to see another interest rate hike since inflation's finding ways to kind of creep back up a little bit in the energy side of the equation? Yeah, we're going to likely see another rate increase. I know they paused last time. They're going to see likely another rate increase this time. And then this is probably, you know, one of the few last ones potentially, but there's still more anticipated after this one. And so ultimately, you know, in the short term, how it affects you as an individual, it'll obviously affect mortgage rates, it'll affect savings rates, it'll affect your rates on loans, credit cards, anything that has an interest rate associated to it. But as it relates to actually markets, it's not going to have much of an effect. It's mostly priced in at this point. And what the markets are looking at right now is that we are almost done, hopefully, with this inflation mess and that rates will start coming down soon and that companies will be able to start growing again as money becomes cheaper and cheaper. Um, so if the rates do increase now and again, they continue to point at the same narrative, we're not going to likely see a massive reaction. So there shouldn't be a uh, a huge overcorrection. I think what we'll see likely is just more of the same uh, brief reaction in the short term, and then markets will will flatten out as the day goes on. The only other way that really changes substantially is if the Fed comes out and changes the narrative that, that they've been pitching so far, which is that we're going to stay higher for longer and then ultimately start decreasing either in the back half of this year or in 2024. If they come out and all of a sudden saying we're not even halfway done with our job, we have more to go, that's, you know, could shake up uh the landscape a bit but we're not anticipating that so far based on what we understand again the only other things that will really affect in the super short term are just going to be again anything that has an interest rate associated with it and then it just makes these cash on cash yields from fed treasuries just even that much more attractive as you know they go up 
from from rock bottom a few years ago to now, you know, trending over 5%. Uh, and that's a really interesting view, too, because that's how we're sort of viewing our stock picks as well, as we're watching sort of the, the growth engine of half one kind of begin to trickle down a little bit into sort of the B squad, so to speak, of growth stocks. We had a really interesting pick out of Zoom Info this week where we're seeing sort of like the sales engines on the small to medium business and more like enterprise B2B side begin to tick back up, making picks like that a little bit more interesting. We're seeing companies like Ferrari just maintain their margins or at least pass increased costs onto their super high-end consumers so rather than the growth engine kind of continuing we're seeing a lot of like uh diversification so to speak in the markets um and when we're thinking about that justin i'm just curious from your perspective when we look at sort of the trends from uh these stock picks, when we're looking at con- consumer packaged goods, and we're looking at auto- automotive, and we're looking at sort of technology stocks more on the, the medium tier, are there any trends we're kind of picking up on as we move into the second half of 2023 that we can kind of like begin to think about in terms of where the market's going? Yep. So if there's anything everyone it should pay attention to from the podcast, it more or less should be what we're about to review right now. Effectively, the first half of the year, you know, oversimplifying it, but the first half of the year, a lot of investors started being not enthusiastic, but optimistic in the sense that, again, the Fed would start lowering rates and that companies would be able to use cheap capital to start growing yet again. And that's why we're seeing you know, a lot of these tech and growth stocks massively outperform. If you look at the NASDAQ, you look at the S&P 500, there's really a massive deviation to start the year. The NASDAQ has almost doubled the performance of the S&P 500, again, just leading a lot of investors to believe that growth is coming back in a big way. But what's really interesting is because the market is so forward looking, the reason these stocks have gone up in price is not because of earnings growth going up, but it's really just due to the valuation associated with the underlying company. So for example, right now the bars have been lowered so substantially that the news, you know, from the media side looks good. But like I said, those bars have been lowered so substantially. So if 10, 20, 30% growth was the norm historically for a company to do well, today the expectations are that it'll be closer to 5 to 10%. So sure, companies are beating expectations, but it's still not actually as well as you may think. And so earnings growth has been rather muted over the last year and likely will be the, for the foreseeable future. So therefore, when stock prices go up, you know, on any given stock, it's based on what investors believe going forward. Um, And usually shortly thereafter, maybe a quarter or two out, it's then reflected in the earnings. And that's why historically for most stocks, they trade at some sort of multiple on revenue, on earnings, you name it. In the tech world, it's mostly on revenue. And so as it relates to a lot of tech stocks, they trade within bands. So say a company is trading at 10 times revenue, 20 times revenue, 30 times revenue, And they have a historical band where they might start getting overvalued when they're trading at a huge multiple of revenue and undervalued when they're at a lower multiple of revenue. But effectively, those bands exist in perpetuity as you start thinking about the value of a company. And so right now, because earnings isn't going up and the stock is going up, those multiples are going up as well. And so a lot and what that's telling us is that a lot of investors are starting to place a lot of weight that they think earnings will go up, so those multiples come down. But what we're seeing so far is that obviously earnings have been rather muted. So while there still could be more upside you know, over the coming years, in the shorter term, 
it looks like we might start getting at the upper limit of how much these growth stocks can continue to grow. And so with the NASDAQ up 40% to start the year, you know, I think it's highly unlikely that it grows another 40% in the back half of the year. And some reasons that we think that outside of the fact that, you know, 80% in a given year is pretty much unheard of is we're starting to see value actually outperform growth in the last month or two. And so what I mean by that is financials, a lot of stocks that have lagged uh, tech stocks in the last six months are actually now outperforming over the last 30 to 60 days. And so the reason that's happening is because, A, again, the things that we had just discussed, which is that the multiples are starting to hit their very high historical averages. And then the the other side of the equation is that this is now a great environment for some of these value stocks to outperform. And so when rates are increasing like crazy, people are not doing or not taking out loans as much as they need to. Now things have stabilized, companies are starting to take out debt again, and they're foreseeing an area where rates go down, they can capture it on the way down, and we'll start increasing their debt now. And then the delta in terms of what companies can get from the Fed relative to what they pay out has just been increasing ever since. And so that's why we're seeing from a financial perspective, like JP Morgan and some of these companies report almost all-time highs in earnings. So it's kind of created this perfect storm right now where value is actually performing really well um, and can continue to do so over the next few months. And so, again, it depends on the companies with that fall within it. But like a, a company like JP Morgan is suited very, very, like very, very suited well to do well over the next six months. And so the environment we're in right now is going to change drastically in the back half of 2023 from what we saw in the first half of 2023. And again, that's why stock selection, investment selection is just so important right now. And riding up an index is continuing, like continuously been challenging as like we see such a massive deviation in the indices alone and then the stocks that comprise them. And and one thing that's really interesting about that, too, if you're like a real old Moby head, what you're beginning to hear is kind of a repeat of something that we were beginning to see when we started this podcast in late 2021. We were beginning to see very much this shift from value to growth before the bottom kind of dropped out of the market when we realized that the Fed's going to be raising rates for a long time. So when you look at that, Justin, do you see this as kind of like a prelude to another like extended downturn? Like, or is this something that just like we're going to see this these miniature cycles as um growth outperforms because bull sentiment comes back a little bit, AI brings some stuff back, um, and now growth has to kind of, a value has to catch back up, so to speak? Or is this kind of a prelude for maybe like the bottom dropping out of this market again and we're us kind of like resuming sort of the downward path towards recession we were thinking about before? Yeah, I don't think this is necessarily going to be like the beginning of the end per se. It just, I think we're going to be in a period now where the second half of the year, while there still can be growth, it's going to come at a slower pass than the ma- the slower path than the massive rally we saw in the first half of the year. And so the biggest things to watch out for in the back half of the year and then into next year is how companies respond to the current environment and what the Fed and the government does about it. So again, investors are optimistic because they think things will get better, but obviously things have to get better. Otherwise, the multiples on those revenues are just going to get so out of control that they can't grow anymore. And so the big key things we're watching for over the next six months are which companies can capture um, growth opportunities, even in a not rising, but flat interest rate environment. And then what companies will do really well as they start decreasing again, which companies can capture on current trends like AI. And again, just on a company by company basis, understanding 
who will actually grow now that a lot of this growth has been priced in. And so, again, I think we're we're trying to stray away from the overall indice level and just understanding what stocks within it should do well. Exactly. And uh, audience, if you want like a kind of like bellwether stock to understand how we're thinking about this, one thing to keep in mind, too, is uh, very recently Tesla's earnings. Um, we are really... We're not like bearish on Tesla or anything right now, and the market it itself isn't bearish on Tesla. But Tesla came out with earnings on Wednesday of last week and basically said, "Hey, um, you know, we reduced prices a lot, so our margins are down, but we're going to get those margins right back up once we uh, add some more automations to all of our factories over the course of the summer, and then we're going to get full self-driving by the end of the year. Promise this time. We've been promising it since 2017. Yada yada yada. And we also are going to get a lot more money from Cybertruck being launched uh, next year, not this year. Sorry. We look at all of that and we say, okay." Let's pump the brakes on, you know, adding more to our Tesla position right now. Let them figure this out. They can very much shift back into growth mode once they get their margins more under control. If they can achieve these margins goals while also reducing the cost of their vehicles to stay competitive with the likes of Ford, I mean, that's awesome, right? When you look at, is there anything else we should kind of keep in mind when we look at Tesla earnings, Justin, or is it simply that, like, we're going to kind of wait and see, stay, you know, in our position but not add to it while they are sort of, like, thinking about their, their margins being a little bit too low now? Or is there anything more troubling about Tesla's earnings we should be considering? Yeah, it's interesting right now because Tesla has obviously lowered, you know, their prices several times at this point. Um, which has led to this deteriorating margins. But what it has done is also then increase revenues substantially. Um, so right now, a lot of investors are kind of unsure of what's really going on. But when we start looking at the numbers, we see some you know pretty positive, uh, encouraging signs. So for example, in Q2, they reported 25, uh, 24.9 um billion in revenue and the consensus estimates were 24.7 so they came in you know pretty high on the upside margins were still better than expected on the auto side 18.1 versus 17.8 um and we can go through the numbers you know a thousand times but i think the biggest takeaway is that they're still performing really well again there is this muted expectations given what's going on but ultimately, Tesla has a ton of growth opportunities. And so the biggest things we're watching for outside of the car growth, which is obviously very important, is what else is Tesla going to do going forward? So you talked about the Cybertruck, which obviously is going to be rolled out in a limited capacity. Um, but Elon Musk also ultimately emphasized that the capabilities and the complexity of that vehicle, you know, despite the company's experience in ramping vehicles, is only going to move as fast as the slowest moving part of the overall process. So long story short, like it's going to take a while to scale that. And so we don't really price that into the upside in the in the very short term. But what is interesting is looking at full self-driving. Elon Musk said that they're going to actually start talking about licensing their full self-driving capabilities to other auto companies. They obviously touched upon AI and what it means for the long-term value of the company. They talked about their neural net training for full self-driving and how to continue to improve. Um, and they kind of just went into all these other opportunities and how they re start rev like understanding how that impacts their services, their auto and other line items going forward, as well as the continued verticalization of their supply chain. So long story short, I think, you know, given Tesla's run up this year, I mean, the, the stock prices increased massively looking in on a year to date basis. It's up over 140 percent um, flat over the last 12 months, but still obviously up substantially since it's uh, all time lows back in basically January of this year. And so long story short, sitting at 
a market cap close to a trillion dollars right now, 820 billion. We still see more upside coming. It's just, I think that explosive growth, similar to what we said about the NASDAQ right now, you know, we saw 142% growth this year. We're, we're unlikely to see that continue into the second half of the year. So we still like Tesla. We've been holding on to it for years. But I think from an ex- expectation perspective in the short term, you know, I think it's unwise to think that we're going to continue to get this massive rally, you know, headed into the, the end of the year. Especially when they do things like balloon their overall R&D costs by 25% quarter over quarter. They're basically, you know, a couple dollars shy of a billion dumping into this AI side of things. Like they used to, it used to be like half a billion they were spending on R&D to develop everything they were doing, sort of like automating their factories. Now it is uh, like 900 and like literally $59 million. So just call it a billion, right? So they're increasing all of their R&D costs again to try to get the actual compute computational needs they need to make full self-driving happen. Full self-driving seemed like a very, a much a infinitely simpler computational issue in 2017 now uh, obviously they ha- they're facing reality a little bit that's why they're focusing so hard on their dojo ai training sort of architecture that's where the that's where the billion dollars went basically so if they figure out full self-driving if it becomes an actual thing that does not require you having like an nvidia like semi-computer within your actual like tesla machine itself that's going to be incredible and that's going to be a huge lift but it's like we're not going to buy on the rumor. We're not going to buy on vaporware. We're going to kind of wait this out and see if they can pull this off. There's definitely still upside, but the question is, can they sort of bring their margins back with software like the full self-driving sort of services, as well as potentially licensing out their visual AI architecture that they're sort of developing right now? They're focusing on the trading, the training side of the equation and not the deployment side, since a lot of these large language models to kind of do both in terms of development. That's a whole other thing we need to talk about. Let's get into more of those trends, though, Justin, because things that are getting red hot right now are actually services, right? We're seeing travel just come come roaring back. Um, <clears throat> Delta, United Airlines, and almost American Airlines all reported positive enough earnings to really boost their stocks this week. We're seeing really great growth from hotels, Hyatt, Las Vegas, Sands, the the works. Is this going to be like a temporary thing just for the summer, or is this kind of like what we're thinking about in terms of our shift from growth to value? Are you know is United and are United and Delta finally becoming growth plays again, so to speak, or value plays, I should say? Yeah, I mean these are two stocks that we love, and we've been preaching you know since January of this year that we really believed in this travel uh, rally, and so far we're really proud to admit that we've been extremely correct in that uh, that outlook. And so, you know, this year we've seen, at least from United's perspective, a, a massive, massive jump up in revenues. Um, looking more closely, you know, relative to what they've done historically. We're seeing all-time highs in several categories. And so that's been extremely encouraging for us to understand, okay, we thought all this upside was coming, but was it possible? Could it be continued? And so everything we've seen right now is that all the answers basically point towards yes. We believe they can continue to do so, both Delta, both United. And to your point, we're going to be having other stock picks come out soon that speak to other people within the um, the travel industry as well. And so looking specifically at United, which we're going to have a report come out very soon on this, uh, United, all things having said, they had a very strong Q2. Revenues soared to record highs. Profits were up more than 3x year over year. And the carrier just really continued to capitalize on this post-pandemic appetite for travel, which was, again, a huge part of our overall uh, outlook. Um Basically, there was a massive like cancellations due to weather in June, but all the while, um, 
it ultimately like didn't really slow them down too much. And so going forward, again, we're going to put our report out on the app that really speaks to this more as a whole. Going forward, we we think United has a lot of upside more to come. Right now, we, we still think there's another 20 to 30 percent left in the stock in terms of rallying by the end of the year. Um, and there's a few things that we kind of are looking for as part of that. So they're redoing a lot of their ongoing fleet, which should continue to help them get more market shares. They're going to have some of the newest planes out there, at least from an interior perspective. And then international strength, I think, is going to be a big thing to watch for the, the rest of the summer. And so basically, international travel is really at the forefront of this. Um, right now, passenger revenues are up 44% year over year in this category. Um, and Prasm is up 13% year over year. And this is basically outside of the retail side of it, business travel is ultimately a huge reason this is up because business travel is up 44% year over year internationally versus domestic, which is 10% year over year. And Pacific, um, Pacific people flying th- through the Pacific and over the Atlantic and then into Latin America as well has just been absolutely crushing it for them. So long story short, like while domestic is always going to be a huge part of their business, international and business travel, again, something that we've been saying now for six months is ultimately going to give them a, a much better opportunity. And I think they're going to capture more of the upside relative to some of their peers. Delta is another stock that we love in that category as well, given their focus on international. Um, and then there's a few hotels and entertainment names that, like I said, we're going to be releasing in the coming weeks. But long story short, travel, huge theme for 2023. We've loved it going into this year. So far, we've been absolutely head uh, spot on, and we're going to continue to hold through a lot of these names till year end. Exactly. And I think, audience, if you're kind of looking for through lines as you sort of understand your own portfolio and understand where you're trying to add to and you sort of Q3, Q in the at the end of Q2, beginning of Q3, try to understand that the travel boom usually happens within like the very end of Q2 and throughout most of Q3, like summer is the travel season, right? So if you're trying to time this, so to speak, kind of now is the moment as we sort of look at who's where there's going to be a lot of growth. That being said, the broader trend here is that we're seeing consumers shift a lot of their spend away from things and back towards experiences. The market is basically declaring that we're not worried about the pandemic anymore. There is still technically an ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Cases are down. We're at a good bit of herd immunity. Um, you should still be cautious, right? But the market is saying, no, nope, it's all over. It's party time. People are traveling. People are going back to hotels. People are just trying to, you know, get as back to normal as possible as we sort of, you know, limp our way out of 2020, so to speak. So if you're looking for anything, keep that in mind. That's why we're still we're still bullish on a lot of our retail stocks, but we need to see a lot more numbers to see just how much like our retailers are getting impacted while people who sell experiences, your travelers, your services providers, whomever, are starting to really pick back up as we get back into the experience side of that of uh, <laughs> life on this earth, so to speak. So keep that in mind. I guess just so we're kind of rounding out here, let's get a little bit more forward focus because one more thing that happened this week that our audience is very curious about is Oddity, the Israeli beauty slash e-commerce D2C company that exploded in their initial IPO. Um, the right was originally priced at $35 a share. When it came out, it popped all the way to 47 It got as high as almost 50 pretty much. Um, stock is still doing great. It's a brilliant company that sort of focuses on the e-commerce side and sort of like AI-generated sort of beauty products. 
don't don't at me about that. That's a grotesque oversimplification. Great company, great technology, great brands. I guess the main question from our audience is not talking about oddities, so to speak, because the you know ship sailed there. But now that we've had two IPOs, Kava first and now Oddity, come out and just blow it up. The market is clearly eager for new opportunities. What does our IPO market look like for the rest of the year? Is there anything we're thinking about on the horizon that we're hoping that's going to happen? There's one I hope does not happen, given sort of recent news about the company. But is there anything you're looking at in terms of IPOs that sh- should be very interesting to watch, so to speak? Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a bunch, honestly, right now. So I think you brought up a good point um, in terms of the IPO market this year. Kava really wed the forefront of it. If you guys missed it, Kava went public um, it's either earlier this month or in June, and they saw a massive surge. The day they went public, they saw over 100% surge, and investors were thinking it was going to you know, basically be the, the next Chipotle. Um, it basically so- is. It's Mediterranean Chipotle at this point. Like It's trading at a similar multiple at this point. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Chipotle was a huge winner for those involved uh, as early investors. So, you know, they're looking at it from a comparable standpoint saying, you know, this could make a lot of people a lot of money. Uh, you spoke to Oddity as well. They're, you know, it came out not as hot, but it came out 40% higher than the initial price. Um, and it's a little bit more niche just given it's based in Israel and doesn't have the consumer appeal that like a company like Kava has. But I think the biggest takeaway is that with Kava, with this, it's two strong IPOs coming out. And I think it will start giving other companies confidence uh, to start bringing their products to market. Um, and so the reason I say that is outside of like the like comparable valuations we've seen here, in the public markets, and this is tying together the kind of this, the entire narrative of this episode, is that companies now are getting like pretty good valuations in the public markets. They're, you know, even if they're not growing because the expectation is they'll grow so much in the next few years, the multiple they're getting on revenue is pretty strong. So with a lot of these companies that have stayed private for a while, cash has been really tight over the last year or two, even if they're not growing substantially, for them to access public markets and get that liquidity at a decent multiple is going to start enticing a lot of companies that don't have the best balance sheets to start going, getting out there and ultimately you know, go out and, and go public. Um, so we don't have, you know, news or anticipation that any of these will happen but these are some public like private companies we are huge fans of and hope they do ipo soon uh stripe is the the obvious one past that looking at instacart looking at reddit uh looking at spacex starlink specifically spin starlink instant instant win exactly so there's there's a lot i mean there really could be a lot of companies that do very well um but only time will tell a lot of them you know it takes six months six to twelve months working with the bankers, getting it live, and all the while, it's not really necessarily announced. So, you know, as they come up, we will definitely keep you guys informed. And not only will we let you know, but we'll let you know what we think of them. We always go through their S1s, talk with investors, and get a good sense, is this something we want to get involved in or not? So for now, nothing to really report, but definitely something we're watching for very, very closely because, you know, over the last... 40, 50 years, IPOs were a massive part of investor enthusiasm, markets ripping higher. And that's the main thing to keep in mind, audience. Now that we've had two really strong, like super prominent IPOs in the form of Kava and Oddity, one thing that Justin very briefly just kind of touched on was now we're going to see companies with slightly less strong balance sheets, kind of like, you know, there's there's some sort of weakness in their foundations. They're going to start coming out of the woodwork and trying to grab what they're seeing as easy money in the IPO market, stuff that can kind of like falter after their first couple of earnings reports. So we're going to be pretty diligent as we look at this. One company that Justin mentioned that I'm actually nervous for their IPO 
was Reddit. Um, in their attempts to sort of like monetize the platform, like they're a social media company, they sell ads, they're one of the most active communities on the whole internet, but it's kind of hard to monetize in the same way that Twitter was hard to monetize. In an attempt to do so, they ended up alienating a lot of their core users, and there's still kind of like an ongoing strike on the platform on certain very prominent subreddits, like the sub-communities within that platform. So if they still IPO at their current state, I think that's one of those things that's going to like maybe pop initially, but then eventually fall as they sort of like run into the wall of trying to do ad-supported media in a system that doesn't really support ads. So um, excited for a lot of potential IPOs. That Reddit one's got me asking lots of questions, though. That's my hot take for the day, Justin. I don't know if that's a little bit too spicy, but a little bit just concerned about Reddit's ability to actually be profitable in comparison to like your Pinterests and your Snapchat, so to speak. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I mean, you look at like the social media companies that have gone public in the last decade, Twitter's now private and bought out and it's seemingly, you know, say what you will, it's seemingly not doing too hot. Meta, while the company has continued to crush, they've only done so through the M&A market in terms of acquiring new properties and basically copying other people, companies' software. Um, but past that, I mean, YouTube was then acquired by uh, Google, which has done well. There hasn't really been a huge standalone winner that hasn't been some sort of consolidation play so snapchat tried you know obviously hasn't been so hot there as well so you know we'll see it's it's hard to have you know a ton of social networks that can grow given the amount of people there are in the world and how much market share you need to to really build something special Although you mentioned YouTube, honestly, that'd be when we think about IPOs, the other side there is also thinking about spinning companies. Like if Amazon eventually finally just gives up and spins AWS so they can focus on just like getting their e-commerce company, you know, back on track and let AWS achieve truly insane multiples unencumbered by the realities of moving products throughout the physical world. Another one is YouTube. Like if you spun YouTube, it would just be a social media multiple. It would be the second largest search engine in the entire world. And with TikTok kind of creeping up and being its own search engine kind of competitor to Google in a way, like a lot of Gen Z and Gen Alpha, uh, their initialized internet searches are happening on TikTok before they go to Google or before they go to Bing, not that anybody goes to Bing or anything. So that would be very interesting. I think YouTube could stand up not just as a social media platform, but as a search engine in that capacity as well. But of course, you know, we can't speculate on spinning because that stuff can happen very quickly, just like we can't speculate on Bob Iger maybe selling Disney to Apple. Like that's a little bit too much in the rumor stage of the equation right now. With that in mind though just we've kind of gone over time a little bit here anything else you wanted to focus on dude again there's a lot going on in the markets as earnings season really kicks off we're keeping our eyes on the fed we're keeping our eyes too two weeks from now we're finally going to get gdp data and that's going to be kind of how we seal our knowledge about exactly where this economy is going um but you know we'll talk more about that next week as we sort of preview gdp growth but anything else you're thinking about as we sort of move forward and think about sort of you know picking the right stocks making the right moves and making sure we're understanding the exact right kind of value plays that'll be successful in the second half of 2023 now that like maybe some of the growth energy is beginning to fizzle out yeah i mean we went through like a lot today touched upon a lot we say this every single week but it's true how much we can cover in only 30 minutes um i think the only other like two things to, to briefly touch upon is obviously we we try and be as thematic as possible cover things that you want to hear about so if you have questions you have uh you want to learn more about things you know obviously either ask us directly or just head into the app um and you can just learn you know we have all of our research there and if there's questions on the research itself also ask us we, we try to help be as helpful as we as we possibly can uh past that i think the only other thing that is starting to become more and more relevant is everything in the the cryptoverse if you will um it was a hot topic several weeks back 
uh, when BlackRock tried rolling out uh, their own ETF for Bitcoin specifically. Still working on it. Nothing to much really report there. Um, but crypto is obviously up pretty massively to start the year. And now that NFTs are allowed on the Bitcoin network, we've seen Bitcoin transaction volume increase substantially. Um, so yeah, we're we're just continuing to see how that evolves. I mean, for everyone who thought it's it was dead, just rewind, you know, over the last decade and see how many times people thought it was dead and then it somehow surges back. Um, there's been probably three major crashes in the last 10 years. Um, and so, you know, we're not saying it's necessarily going to rally back, but with Bitcoin sitting at almost 30,000 a coin and, and up pretty massively this year, um, I think you'd be kidding yourself to completely dismiss it right now. Exactly. And I think one thing, too, is also keeping in mind more of like a diversified portfolio, since there's a lot of really interesting technologies getting develop, de developed right now. You know, the thing that happens during these bear markets when it's crypto winter and people aren't making as much money is way more important than what happens during the bull runs when the Logan's Paul of the world get involved and like, you know, hawk their wild NFT projects or whatever. So one thing I think you should keep keep in mind, audience, we're going to probably do a little bit more of a deeper dive in crypto next week. Once we see a little bit more price action as the sort of mania that came from XRP and Ripple being declared not a security if individuals use it, that mania is still kind of around. It's still a little overbought, but that's finally calming down a little bit. Once we see the actual price action and where things are going to be going long term, we can kind of like help understand what's happening in the crypto space in terms of development, in terms of price action, and think a little bit more deeply about sort of crypto news as well as our crypto portfolios. But otherwise, audience, I think that's a pretty solid place to end it. As always, if you want to get more of our long-term perspective, check us out over at app.mobi.co. Just so you know, audience, this podcast is produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr. All the intellectual value of the flagship pod from mobi.co comes from our analyst team, which is headed up by Justin Kramer, our CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst here. If you have any questions at all, you can always hit us up at hello at mobi.co or hit us up over on Threads as we're still trying to keep that community active even though active users may or may not be down 50 percent in the last week we'll see if that actually lasts otherwise we're on instagram and tiktok as well if you're going to ask us anything in any medium we want to make sure that we can be as open to you as possible otherwise audience that's a pretty great place to end it so as always we leave you with peace love and incremental gains everyone be well thank you so much